All right, welcome back. Thank you so much for watching the Good Gossip Podcast. We don't like it when people have a bunch of commercials up front. We just want to get right to the to the good stuff. So let's get right to the good stuff. I'm Todd Revis. I'm Melissa Elizondo. All right, and you're listening to the Good Gossip Podcast, and we have an amazing guest today, somebody that we've been has have had on our radar for a while. And um, I want to just tell you a little bit about him. His name is Eddie Luna. He's pretty popular where we're from uh, for not so much of a good reason. Uh, but he is almost 30 years as a sheriff's deputy in Comal County. He's in the warrants division for the last decade or so or a little over. That's all he does is serve warrants, which is not fun. Uh, probably pretty scary stuff. He was involved in an incident on August 20th of 2020 and he was serving a felony warrant and some knucklehead decided to get brave and pulled a gun and shot uh, Deputy Luna. And so from there became this journey of survival and journey of, of uh, overcoming major obstacles. So please welcome Eddie Luna. All right. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, yeah. We're, happy, we're happy to have you. Uh, you were recommended to me Obviously, we knew who you were because we have social media. Yes, all over, all over the news and everything for the whole <laughs> South Texas area, really. Um, and but one of my good friends, Suzanne Brown, who's a f our number one fan, our right? Number one fan. I love Suzanne. She always says, "Yeah." So, part of the duties of a of a sheriff's deputy or a p police officer uh, is doing security for private companies, things like that, on your off days. And uh, and so at Ernesto's Jewelry. Maybe they should sponsor our show. Oh. Ernesto's Jewelry uh, is a local, really awesome jewelry store. My friend Suzanne live, works there, and you're one of her favorite guys that has their back and protects them with all of that millions of dollars worth of diamonds and gold so nobody can come in there and get crazy. And so obviously you're standing around, standing around, and y'all get to visit yes. and become friends. And so she said, y'all have to have Eddie on there. He's so great. And so that's why we invited you. We wanted to hear your story. Um, and hopefully it'll inspire somebody who's recovering from something or going through something. So what can you tell us about August 20th of 2020? And, and know that we have listeners in seven countries, so they have no idea who you are. So as oh, yeah. much That's information true. as you yeah. can tell us. You're not, at, you're not at the local paper. So yeah, there are people that are like, who's this guy? So tell us like from, from a fresh perspective. Okay. Um, again, my name is Eddie Duna. I work at the Sheriff's Office here in New Braunfels, Kamal County. Uh, I've been here since 1991. Uh, I was a young 23-year-old officer, and now I'm going to be 53 here <laughs> next month. But, uh, yeah, so I've been with the Sheriff's Office for a little bit over 29 years, and um, I've been in the Warrants Division, which is a division that serves felony arrest warrants, even misdemeanor warrants. It's not always just, you know, felony warrants. It's, it could be anything from a ticket to you know, a capital offense, which wow. could be murder, sexual assault, whatever. And um, on this particular day, it was a regular day, just like anything. Uh, we have a warrant uh, list that we go off of. And uh, we uh, had a warrant for an individual in Spring Branch, Texas, which is one of our Kamal County areas. Mm -hmm. um, nothing different. The man was wanted for uh, evading arrest, of all things. Not Nothing He, he got into a high-speed chase in 2018. Okay. Never been arrested before, nothing like that. Just got into a high-speed chase and ended up getting arrested and ended up being charged with, uh, with evading arrest of the vehicle, which is a felony in Texas. And uh, so he made bond, got out, and uh, I guess a couple of months he was supposed to go to court. Failed to, failed to go to court. Yeah. So lo and behold, when you don't go to court in Texas, actually in any state, <laughs> you get another warrant for right. a failure to appear or whatever and uh, or a violation of a, uh, a bond whatever it is that you signed when you got out of jail sure so uh, so he was charged again and so that's how myself and my partner Nick Nolte got involved now uh, on this particular day we, we had already been out to his house before for this same warrant and uh, oh really yes yeah, so this would have been our third time going out there and uh, both he just times. wasn't home. He or? just well, we're pretty or sure he was, he was We're pretty sure he was home, but uh, you know the indications on the second time that we we're out there was that he took off on us right before we got there. Oh, I mean everything from he was just here. The dogs are barking. The door, 
you know, is uh, gotcha. partially old. Everything said Coffee's that, still it, warm yes. on the front porch. So everything said that we just missed them. Okay. So I thought, you know what, on this third time, let's go ahead and put a team together. Let's try to sneak up on this house. You know, some go left, some go right, and whatever. And the, so the plan was, you know, two guys, you know, take uh, one position, and I was to take the entrance position, which would have been a driveway. Mm -hmm. And uh, and the plan was, you know, once somebody sees them, let's just move in fast and hopefully we can catch them outside without him running if off. If he tries to run out the back, exactly. they're ready for him. I've seen that on TV. Exactly, and only. it happens all the time. Yeah, of so my, 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 my uh, thought that day was not that he was going to capable of doing something or just, you know, wasn't threatening or nothing like that. I thought he would maybe run again. So I said, let's take some more people. That sure. particular day, it was busy. Patrol division was uh, pretty busy doing their thing. And uh, so I thought, let's take more than two guys, which is more than just me and my partner. So nobody was available. Everybody just had something going on that day, which we didn't have to take somebody. I just wanted to take somebody else, just, just in case. So I said, no, you know what, let's just go out there. Nobody's, nobody's available. So it wouldn't be the first time that, you know, we lost somebody or got into yeah, something. It's, it's not the end of the world yes. if he runs out in the exactly. woods and you just go get him again. So we're on our way from New Braunfels and in Boverde, I don't know if you're familiar with Boverde, but we're up at 281 and uh, 46. And, uh, and I look left right there, because we're at the stop sign. So Nick's giving me, Nick's my young partner, so he's my driver. <laughs> I just sit on the passenger oh, side. I'm, I'm the old guy, so he's, <laughs> he drives. And uh, so I, I look to the left and there's my brother at the stoplight with he's us. He's also a deputy. Yes, and he's a, he works in the, in the civil division. So he does like civil papers, like subpoenas oh, okay serving divorce papers, papers like yeah that, that okay. sort of stuff so uh, he doesn't normally get into any, anything at all but uh, it's a good gig to have where you're just serving papers and that that's what you do yeah so anyway this particular day he's he's right next to me and uh, so I call him on the phone and ask hey where are you going and he said I got to go up you know to serve some serve some papers and it was pretty much in the area that we were where we mm. were gonna go and I was like, hey, when you're done, are you interested? I, need, I want uh, somebody else to go on a warrant with us. And he goes, hell yeah, I'll go. Hell yeah, man, let's, let's do this. Let's go do it. He gets you know, some I'm adrenaline. Ready, I'm ready to go. So before we got there, you know, we stopped just shy of the residence and kind of formulated a plan. I showed him the picture, you know, what he was wanted for and, you know, where he think, where I thought he might run off to because that's what seems like happened the first time. Right. And, uh, or the second time, rather. So, um, so I had Nick and... Uh, my partner, or Nick, and my brother Renee, you know, go up the side of the house, which was kind of in a little valley. Mm -hmm. So they weren't, nobody could see them unless you're actually looking down. So I said, once you get in position, you know, this guy, he's kind of an outsider. So it seemed like he was spending a lot of time outside. He doesn't mm -hmm. seem like he was spending a lot of time indoors. Big lot, you know, just a bunch of stuff going on on this property. And um, I said, once you get in position, I'm gonna go up the driveway. And uh, so we wanted to do kind of what we call a pincer movement in the military. We come in from two different directions and just hit the house and hopefully catch them outside. And that yeah. would be the best case, be the best case. catch them outside. And uh, so they, they radioed me and told me, hey, we're in position right below the house. And, uh, and I said, okay, I'm going to go up the driveway. So I start sneaking up this, this driveway, which is kind of long. Are you on foot at I'm this point? I'm on foot. We're okay. all on foot. And uh, so we're coming in pretty stealth, real quiet, you know, no radio, radio silence, nothing going on. When we talked, we were whispering and more too close, we weren't talking at all. So as I start moving in, I, I saw him. I'm like, oh, there he is. There's a dog. Well, the dog alerted oh, fast. Wow. So as soon as the dog saw me and, you know, I came in quietly. He's, he's just the Dogs, dogs have better ears. It looked like it's like a German Shepherd. These dogs oh, are man. genetically sure. designed to be that way. He started barking, gave the position, and and uh, my guess is as soon as he didn't see me, but he was looking around. He so did. right away he was alerted, like something's here. I'm not too sure what it is. Yeah. So right when I said go go, let's go, ran into the house. And he went he, in, even though we were like 20 feet away. He ran inside the house. Slammed the door shut, and that was so we're outside like, wow, damn it, we damn. lost them again. We were this close. <laughs> and uh, the only difference is, you know, we knew he was there. So yeah, right away, right away we took positions to where, hey, let's everybody take a corner just in case he takes off, you know. And, uh, and we're knocking. And, you know, what we technically could have done is uh, just, go, just follow them in, you know, mm -hmm. just crash that door in and go get them. And... Uh, 
a lot changes though yes, when you do that, so, right? Yeah, well, you know, the, uh, as far as, you know, our ability to do something like that, we've done it before, you know, somebody runs off and, but you know, this guy was like, I said, you know what, I thought we could talk him out. Yeah. You know, let's, let's just talk just him out. Sense. Wouldn't be the first time, let's just talk him out of the house. You know, nobody gets hurt, you know, and he doesn't get a new charge, you know, because, you know, technically now that he ran, you know, he picks up another charge. So yeah. let's just, let's just talk him out. And uh, so we established, you know, a rapport with him, start talking with him. So he was talking he back was talking to back to us. Okay. And I told him, look, come out, you know, we're going to go, we're not leaving without you. So one way or the other, you need to come out. And he's like, I'm not going out. You know, you're not arresting me. I don't believe, you know, in Texas courts. And, you know, basically uh, he's just one of these guys that he's just like, what he doesn't believe in authority, my guess is that's what, that's what was going on. So, uh, and everybody, we're all around the house. And what we usually do when we're around the house is everybody will bang on the door or just window. Make it and just because, you know, him. everything becomes uncomfortable because you never know. I mean, I would be uncomfortable if I had somebody's outside my house banging from any door. Oh, yeah. And at some point, you have to just say, I'm coming. Yeah, I'm, this and, is driving me crazy. It is. Yeah. And so that's what we do, you know. And, uh, you know, it's not, you know, an all out, you know, uh, bruiser. Brody, bang on the door. You know, we're just banging. Just, hey, we're here. You can't go this way. You can't go that way. And you can't go this way because, uh, you know, we, we've got you surrounded. feeling kind of And surreal. everybody's talking. All three of us are talking like, hey. You so know, that's a tactic? That's that, a tactic. Okay, and it wow. works. It absolutely works because nobody, you know, when somebody comes in hot, and I say hot, you know, guns in hand, you know, get down, get down. People get thrown on the floor or whatever. Nobody wants that. I don't care how bad you are. Nobody wants that. It's yeah. just bad. And then... Of course, the threat of also getting shot, not necessarily us, but you know, nobody wants to get shot either no. inside the house. And I don't care how bad you are and you don't want to get shot. And uh, so, you know, now, you know, having that in mind, it's perfect to have him come out. And I absolutely thought he was going to come out, you know, after a while, you know, where he said, look, you know, every, everything that we said was going to happen was going to happen. So having that knowledge, dude, just come out. Nobody gets hurt. You know, it's very simple. So we waited, I'm guessing, 35, 45 minutes just wow. talking to him and just talking. I was like, God, this guy's not going to come out. It just, just doesn't seem that way. You know, so we called up the supervisor and let him know what was going on. And, you know, basically it was, you know, just get him. Okay. So anyway, so we, we, me and my partner, Nick, um, now, now give, this house is not a regular house. This house is something that he hand built. I mean, it's got rocks and bricks, and the door looks like to some kind of old school, you know, 18th century door. It's just wow. really thick wood, mm -hmm. and just and it's got a mirror right in the front. So we don't know if this mirror is a two-way or what it is, you know. It's, but you know, it's just everything is weird about this house. It's not, you know, a a regular house that we yeah. think as a regular house. So you're having trouble picturing oh, yeah. what's so, yeah, on the other side of that door. We have a front door. We got a side door. We have another door in the back, and then we have an upstairs that's just all, all completely open. So, you know, and we could see that there's like a ladder where he can actually shoot up there and take God. off and just run on his roof and end up being gone again. So the, there's a bunch of different, you know, so we had to kind of watch everything and make sure he didn't take off on us. Yeah. So finally, the, the decision was made, okay, let's breach the door. So myself and Nick were, uh, were the breachers. Breachers meaning we're the ones, the entry team. And I told my brother, hey, you hang out over here. Just, you know, if he runs, watch, watch, yeah, mm -hmm. listen in case you hear something going on. If he jumps on the roof, you can hear it because it's tin. So, you know, he was, yeah, it was just, you know, let's just warm what we can to make sure we actually get him. So, uh, so me and my, myself and Nick were making, uh, uh, pushing on the door. Just, you know, we need to breach the door. And it was not budging at all. So, I mean, I don't know what he, what he locked it with or what he did, but Nick, um, kind of a little powerful short guy, little muscle-bound guy, <laughs> and uh, so he started just, you know, wailing on the door, just, you know, pushing it until it, it gave, and it gave, like, almost unexpectedly, like, it just, like somebody it just shot open, and uh, as soon as the door opened, um, Nick wasn't in a position, because he's kind of like, whoa, the door's open, right. and I'm, I'm, I'm left of Nick. And as, as soon as the door completely opened, it seemed like it was in slow motion. I, I mean, it's just strange that it was in slow motion. And I heard Nick, Nick, uh, Nick was on my right side. So he said something, he said, gun. 
you know, and the, so right away, I, I'm ready. As soon as the door fully is open and I see him, and this is a split second. He's not aiming or nothing. He's just kind of standing there. And I saw with a shotgun. I mean, I know my guns. I'm a gun guy. He's standing there with a shotgun. And um, after that, the only thing I remember is I saw a flame come out of that gun. I didn't hear it. We were inside. I mean, this is, you know, if you hear a shotgun inside of a house, you will hear it. But, you know, I think your body does certain things yeah. to kind of, you know, not protect you. Yes, to protect you. And, you know, and uh, I saw the shot. And next thing I remember it was super fast. I, I, was on the, I was on the ground, almost outside of the door. Nick had already taken up a defensive position because he was the first one to see. And he wasn't, he wasn't armed. I was armed. What I mean by armed is I came in gun in hand. You had it yes. out. His I, was still he, holstered because he, he, he was working on the door. He was still forcing his way in. And um, after that, uh, next thing I remember is trying to get up. And because uh, I was laying kind of on my stomach, I tried getting up and I was like, what the hell? I couldn't get up. And I re realized that my arm, my right arm, was uh, pretty much severed right there. I tried, I looked down and my hand was kind of sitting there like, crap, that's the first thing I thought. Of. Right God, here? Roughly here? Right, yeah, right, at, right two inches below the, the elbow. Okay. Uh, I had a piece of what they call you know, just a piece of skin and a tendon. That was it. That was so holding this on. Was Everything was completely separate. gone. I took a direct shot from about, I would say about five feet away. And, uh, and the worst weapon to get shot with at that distance is a shotgun. Because it, 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 it spreads, you know, you know, it comes out of the barrel, you know, at one inch. And it spreads up to about, you know, three or four or five inches. As about the size of your arm. Yeah, about the size of my forearm. And completely demolished my forearm. And uh, so I knew I had to act quick. So I grabbed my hand. It just, you know, I think, I got, think of these military movies and stuff. And, you know, they say, hey, you know, if you lose something, your leg, your arm, your finger, grab it. Try to keep it clean. And uh, Who knows? maybe you maybe. can get it reattached or whatever. And that so you just, thought in I that thought, moment? I thought in that moment, I said, oh, you know, there's my hand. I need to pick it up. Grab it. Grab my hand. And, uh, and I pushed myself up because I could feel myself just bleeding. I could just see blood everywhere. I remember just seeing the blood on the ground. And this is very fast. I'm not too sure what the guy's even doing behind me. Um, so you're facing away from the house at I'm this point? I'm facing away from the house. And Nick is taking a defensive position. Nick had position. already taken a defensive position, which is really, really quick. And he didn't even know I got shot. He just, he heard the shot, and uh, I guess maybe he assumed I fell. Uh, well, I fell, I got shot yeah. on the door. <laughs> the reason I fell. And, so did it uh, spin you around, I yes, guess? Yes, it, it spun yeah. me around. That makes sense. I yeah. can picture that now. Yeah, so when I got hit, I just kind of turned back around, and when I fell, I guess, I, I feel, you know, as you're falling, you take a position to where, okay, you put your hands down, and that's how I fell. And uh, so I grabbed my hand, and Nick had already taken off, and I could hear him yelling for me. And, uh, and, I, and uh, I ran around the corner where Renee was, and I told Renee, hey, follow me. And because we had already been at this house, I knew where to go. I, there was a hill up on the side, and I said, I need to get out of this position because, you know, I'm not too sure what this guy is doing. And Nick's in a position, and Renee is the cover guy, so yeah. I took him with me. I said, follow me. And I know he's kind of looking at me like, where are we going? I mean, I just yeah. heard the shot, I, you know, and you're running. Why are you running? And, but he's behind me, so he hasn't seen anything yet. And so I ran up a hill, and I, I probably about 25, 30 feet above the, uh, away from the residence, but a good, what I would call a safe zone because you sure. could see the house. And there was a big rock out there. I, just, I sat on the rock, and uh, I had my arm, and by this time, Renee looked at me, and, and he had this, yeah, he, I mean, he, if, if somebody could go, you know, like, completely white he did and well, you're uh, his big brother and right? yes I'm the big brother and now he's looking at me and I'm looking at him and I told him I said Renee I said I need you right now I need for you to take a deep breath I need for you to get on the radio tell dispatch what happened and then after that I need for you to get your tourniquet out because we all have tourniquets on our belts and I need for you to get it on my arm ASAP and uh so he got on the radio and I could, I could hear him, you know, and I don't know, I think everybody's kind of heard the radio call, you know, he, it was pretty intense. You know, he's right in front of me when he's talking. So we get alert tones and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So by this time, everybody's getting alerted. You know, I'm talking they're, about- They're yeah, dropping everything. Everything is going point. on. And I'm, I remember just sitting there and I'm trying, I, I think, okay, I know I can't, I have to I have my breathing, I need to control. I, uh, 
I don't want to go into shock. So I'm thinking about all these things. I don't ask them. Ah. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, of in course. that moment, did you feel pain? I didn't. I felt I felt something because it was completely numb. Okay. And I would look down every once in a while and just like, God darn it, I can't believe this happened. I'm looking down and I got my hand in my hand and my whole arm is hurting. And I didn't really know why it was hurting on top. It was because I had my uniform on and the leaf sleeves are kind of low. But I knew everything at the bottom was, it was hurting, but it wasn't hurting to the point to where- Not like was, you would think no, it would be. It was just, a, just an intense, numb feeling. And that's what I felt. And, uh, and I remember I had, my, I had my hand and I was like, God. And I was trying to squeeze it and trying to see if I could move it. I couldn't move it. And this is just because this is just the moments that I'm sitting there. And, uh, and, and I think I'm, I'm getting more mad than anything because of what happened. Not scared. And I should have been scared. You were trying to help this I guy. Was, yes. And uh, so I told Renee what to do. And he put a tourniquet on me. And what was crazy is, you know, we were taught to, you know, put the tourniquet just above the wound. So I had, you know, I had a little bit of skin there. and, and the, Yes. So the blood was just popping, oozing out. I mean, fast. And I could feel myself getting cold, but yet I'm still sitting there just trying to, okay, let me just calm down. I'm just going to not breathe real hard. I'm not going to yell. I didn't even talk on the radio because I thought that's just going to expend more of my energy. So I'm just going to sit here and let Renee do everything. And... Uh, so anyway, so he put a tourniquet right about two inches above my elbow, okay. and he cranked down on that, and that is the first time that I felt this intense pain. And I was like, I don't know what, what had happened, something, I said, wow, so it, I said, stop, 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 because you know, when you crank on a tourniquet, you crank it down to where you're stopping blood and basically anything below that, yeah. if you don't get it medical treatment fast, you're gonna lose it, that's just the way it is. I said, stop. I said, undo it. I said, move it up. And that's not what we're taught to do. Once you put a tourniquet on, you pretty much leave it there. And I, so I made the decision. I said, turn, take it off. And I said, move it up here. And he did. He moved it way up to the top. He cranked it down. And I'm telling you, as much as that hurt, that felt great. Like, God, this Compared feels Compared to yes. closer. So I didn't know what had happened there. Why. But he moved it all the way up. And the blood, when we now had the blood in control, was just dripping. There was just a small drip. And so I felt good about that. And I told him, we need to get out of here. We need to go to the street. By this time, I could hear sirens and the radio just blaring and blaring. And so I knew everything was happening in the background. And so I felt pretty good about that. But it still seemed like, God, we're taking a long time to get to the street, you know? A couple of things. We're, we're walking in a wood line. So that didn't help us any because I was holding on to my hand. So I, and we're walking in, in, you know, where there's big rocks and boulders and just a you know, wood line. That's Spring Branch, Texas is mm -hmm. kind of a, uh, a wooded area. Hill country. Yeah, hill country. And, um, and we fell a couple of times. I remember falling and I couldn't, cause I couldn't break my fall. Oh and you know, Renee, when I would fall, he made sure I fell on top of him, which is really, it was really, he knew I, I couldn't break my fall. And I fell on top of him a lot of times and which was, which was, he just, he, and he knew how I was gonna fall. And we finally made it to a street, uh, kind of went through a fence. And I sat there, at a, there was a, like a driveway. And I remember sitting there and I could hear all the sudden, now I can hear, clearly hear the sirens, I'm at the street. And then I'm thinking, where's that ambulance at? Yeah. You know, because they should have already been here. And uh, of course the ambulance will, will not move up until the scene is secured. That's just the way it is, you know. And even though it was a police officer, it didn't make a difference. They have things that they got to go by rules that, you know what, we're gonna, we got a stationary we have to stay stationary away from the scene and we cannot move up until somebody says scene is secure, suspect is in custody, whatever. Something right. has to happen. And because nobody had been arrested yet, um, they couldn't move in. So I'm sitting there and now I'm starting to feel some pain. I think the, reali the reality of what had just happened is now yeah. kind of setting in. And uh, so Renee's talking to me and he's got his hand on my shoulder. And we know me and Renee were close, very close. We grew up together. And, uh, but we're not close like that. We're not close like, you know, hugging and, you know, whatever. And it's just not like that. And uh, so, and I could just feel him, you know, he's touching me, he said, hey, you know, we're not done yet. You know, we're, you know, you're good, you're, you're okay. And, and I was like, I, I'm good, I'm, I'm okay. And I remember thinking, you know, this is bad, but uh, you know, I thought, God, you know, I, I'm, I'm not ready to die. This is not where I'm gonna die here. So, you know, I think a will to wanna continue living and wanna, and know that you have a shot because you're already, looking and you're seeing what's going on. I said, I think I'm good. 
And I think a will to survive and not want to die is kind of what carried me on. So the whole time I just sat there and, you know, re uh, maintained my breathing, uh, didn't freak out. Everything I talked, Renee, everything was real slow, just, just almost a whisper talking to him. And um, finally, one of the supervisors of patrol and made a decision. I need to just move up and get him. And because the ambulance was not moving up. And what we're talking- To bring you back yes, to the ambulance. To bring me to the ambulance. And we're, talk, we're probably talking two or three minutes, what felt like 15 or 20 minutes for me, because I'm sitting there thinking, God, I need somebody to, you know, wrap this thing up and, you know, put my arm back on. That's, this is what I'm thinking. And so I got, I got up, they asked me, can you get up? I'm like, hell yes, I'm ready, let's go. So I got in the patrol car and just kind of laid there. And I just remember looking down like, man, I got blood all over the patrol car. <laughs> and uh, sometimes you think about these things because I guess you're trying to just, I, I guess, as for me, I, I'm, I, I like to be humorous. I like to, I'm always joking about certain things. And I was thinking, damn, I just got his car all dirty, you know, kind of like his, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and I yeah. started thinking about these things and I'm, I'm quiet. So we, we just go up maybe 500 yards up the street and find the ambulance. And he parks right behind the ambulance. And uh, so I get out of his patrol car and uh, we go up to the ambulance back door. And I remember he knocks on it and uh, they open up the door like, Kind of, what do you want? And yeah. I'm standing there, you know, I got my hand <laughs> so in, they didn't my, know you're in coming. my hand. And they're looking at me like, oh, crap, he's here. I'm like, yes, I'm here. And <laughs> you wouldn't they, come to me. Right, so right I came away, to they you. opened up the doors. They brought the, uh, they, 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 they didn't even bring the, uh, the bed out. They opened up the doors and they all pushed me up on top. And I, I still, I was still able to move. Yeah. Um, I was pretty, I, I would consider myself being in good condition, even though I was hurting really, really bad. Yeah. So they laid me on the uh, on the bed and i remember thinking okay they're about to take everything off on me and uh, i had just received a new vest we, we get issued vests every couple of years and i had just put on this vest pretty nice vest <laughs> and this velcro so right away i can feel them cutting my pants no! and i was like hey i said my my vest has got velcro right about that time it oh. went straight down. <laughs> oh, like, and, I, you know, and that's what you're sitting there I'm, thinking, I'm thinking about. about these things. And, uh, and I had just bought some Oakley uh, combat boots. I said, don't cut the shoelaces. I said, I just bought them. And they, I don't think they did. They, that's they, hilarious. But they were full of blood. So I thought, man. The things you think about. Yes, and it was crazy. I was thinking about these things. I, you know, I didn't, you know, I'm looking at my bloody boots and, you know, I'm a big Iron Maiden fan, so I remember thinking, I didn't want to die with my boots on, but I remember the song, you know, because they have a song that's titled that way, and I was like, well, if I do, at least I have my boots on. <laughs> but I'm thinking about these crazy <laughs> things, you know, things. just going on and on. And so anyway, they finally get me, and then they cut everything off. And I say everything, I mean everything. I ended up with nothing. And, um, and so one of the guys is straddling my chest, and um, he tells me to let go of my hand. I could not let go of my hand. I physically could not open my fingers. And I don't know why I was thought, maybe I'm never gonna see my hand again. I don't know what it was, but I, and I was like, I can't do it. So I just remember somebody bending my fingers out and finally my hand breaks free. And then they wrapped up my, what was left of my arm um, in some cast or something or another. So right away I feel them put some, something in my neck. I lost so much blood, I, I ended up with, I think two milliliters of blood. Right they had to uh, put in my neck right, right then and there. And that was fast. And so that goes to show that how much blood they knew I'd already lost. Sure. So um, they wrapped it up. And it seems like everything is really going slow. And it's not. It's probably going pretty fast. And they said, okay, you know, we're going to head somewhere to go. There's a helicopter waiting. So we took a little ride. And then I remember the guys, good medical people just talking and telling me, hey, you know, you're fine, you're gonna be okay, you know, you're, we got your, your temperature's good, you know, you're coherent. That's and all the things that I need, I, I need to hear, I'm hearing these things. And I'm like, okay, I'm good, I'm good. And they told me just, you know, relax. And I'm thinking, I don't wanna relax, and you know, I don't wanna close my eyes. I think I was more afraid of closing my eyes and never waking up. I think that's what I was kind of afraid sure. of. I'm like, nope, I'm gonna stay awake, I'm gonna stay awake the whole time. And uh, so I went. You always to, hear that, like don't. Yes. You know, don't go to sleep. Because I was, sleep. I didn't. I felt safe. I was. I didn't feel totally safe. You know. So I was like, okay, I, I need to get to the next medical level until I feel safe. I think is what I was feeling. <laughs> yeah. So we get to the helicopter, and right away they take me out of that, uh, uh, the ambulance. They put me in the helicopter, and I, I'm a big helicopter guy. And I just remember thinking, 
God, I can't even see the helicopter. I don't know what they had on my face, but I couldn't even see it. And um, I just remember laying there and looking at the helicopter propeller. That's all I'm looking at. I'm like, wow, there's a propeller, and I can't even look left or right because I don't know what they got on my neck. I could not move. And uh, so I get uh, to uh, University Hospital where they transported me to. And uh, it seemed like it was a long ride because by this time, now I'm starting to feel pain. I'm starting to feel these things. I'm like, man, now I'm starting to hurt more than it did even at the scene. And um, so we get to finally land there. And uh, it's just like on TV, you know, they pull me out of this thing. They've got like six or seven nurses, you know, pushing me down this runway, a hallway. Mm -hmm. And all I remember is, you know, just like on TV, you see like these the lights, lights going by, right? lights going by and everybody's talking to me. And uh, even one of my supervisors was there, which was pretty cool. So he knew where I was going. So he was, he was already, already there. there. He, it was good for me to hear him. Uh, I think I gave him a thumbs up just when I saw him and just to let him know, hey, look, I'm, I'm alive. I'm good. You know, I'm not That's too sure cool. what's going on here, but, you know, I can see you and you can see me. And I gave him a thumbs up. And uh, not until I went to the operating room, um, I remember they slid me on this bed. And again, I, think, I just think of TV. I see all these lights, mm -hmm. you know, three, I remember it was three lights just looking right at me, super bright. And the, the doctor came in and he said, hey, we're going to do surgery on you. Uh, we're going to put you to sleep. And they're just telling, telling me a couple of things. Mm -hmm. He asked me a couple of questions about my name and so on. And, um, and that was the first time that I thought, okay, I'm, I'm okay. So I feel safe. These guys, I'm, I'm on this, you know, bed here. And I see nothing but medical stuff around me. I think I'm good. And uh, so, yeah, they put me out, I guess, about 2.30. Thursday and I woke up Saturday night whoa so I, I had I believe four surgeries uh, in between that time but I had no idea I had those four surgeries wow they, they tried they uh, they ended up taking an eight inch vein and tendon out of my leg which I didn't even know but they did and uh, so that hurt I was wondering why my leg hurt so much when I mm. woke up what they did is they hooked up that vein to get blood to my hand to and try to they, save it. They tried to save it. So um, that's what was going on. So when I woke up, um, this is like I said, I woke up two and a half days later, and I'm I woke up in this room, and I, I see my wife, I see a couple of my deputy friends, and uh, my kids are there too, and I'm looking at them, and I tried talking. Of course, I can't talk, I still have that trach. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm like sitting there, like, why can't I talk? I had no idea. And then I tried moving my hands. So, Technically, they had me handcuffed to the bed because they knew the first thing you do when you wake up is you yank these things out of your mouth. Whoa. So I could not move this hand. And I surely couldn't move this hand because I could see it up in the air. And the nurse is trying to calm me down like, hey, hey, you know, you're, you know, you have a trach, you know, we'll take it out in just a little bit. And, uh, and I'm looking at my family. And by this time, I got tears in my eyes like, sure. okay, I'm alive, which is good. And I can, of course, everybody's crying. I can see just everybody, you know, it's a very sad moment, I guess, looking at everybody. But I'm trying to tell everybody like, hey, I'm good. you know, I'm good. You know, I'm trying to give everybody a thumbs up and try to acknowledge everybody that I'm seeing. And, and, I, and the nurse told me, can you write on a board, you know, if you need something? And I was like, uh, you right-handed? I was trying to get, and I was right-handed. So now they want me to write and I'm thinking, <laughs> Wow, I can't even, I, I could barely write with my right hand really good. And here I am, they want me to write on my left. So they give me this board and this magic marker or something, and I'm writing, and I said water. I think I put on there water because I was super thirsty. And then I thought it was just because my throat was dry. It was actually still because that thing was in my throat. And then they're like, no water. Oh, no. And, and then I was like pointing, like, like trying to tell them, get this thing out of my mouth. And then they're like, well, of course, we can't do that either. So I'm like frustrated, like, God, I want to talk. I want to say something, but I can't say nothing because this thing is in my throat and it, it hurts. Now I'm starting to feel all these, I guess the pain medication is everything is kind of uh, going down. So I'm feeling everything now. And uh, the nurse is like just trying to calm me down and say, hey, I'm going to see if I can get an order to take it down. So I'm like, I try to calm down, like, OK. And uh, it was probably another two or three hours uh, where I was actually using that board and telling everybody, you know, just little thing, whatever I could write. And it was yeah. horrible. I just, you know, <laughs> I should have kept that board, you know, but I uh, just say, you know, hi, okay. And it's the same, whatever, just little words, little letters. And uh, finally they came in and they, 
got the order to take that thing out of my throat. And uh, I had no idea. That thing is about eight inches long. It literally is in your chest somewhere. And uh, so they pulled it out and cut it. I mean, to talk about a feeling that makes you feel good, that was like the greatest feeling. Like, God, I, I could barely talk. Now I could just whisper. Now my throat was sore. And apparently that thing had been in my throat for all the surgeries. And that's the reason they do that, I guess, because yeah. they... They kind of Help put you, you like in a coma, and, and mm -hmm. so you're out. So yeah. all your surgeries are when you're out. And so the doctor comes in and starts, you know, telling me, hey, what, what happened? And, you know, he's telling me, hey, you're, we're, we're trying to get some blood flow to your hand. And then I'm looking like, wow, I see my hand there. So I'm like, okay, this is cool. And um, at this time, you know, they start slowly giving me water, like with a straw. The worst thing, I was like, and I could see a water, a cup of water. I was like, give me that cup of water over there. Yeah. And, uh, but no, they couldn't do that, I guess, because they just can't. They want you to choke. They, everything yeah. has to be very slow. Yeah. So they start giving me everything slow, and, th and I start coming to pretty good. I start, uh, like, acknowledging everybody, and my voice is, is coming around. And uh, they, they start telling me, hey, you're going to be in ICU for the next couple of days because we're not done. There's still a lot going on. Uh, what, I, what I found out is uh, they almost had to amputate my whole arm. Because up here, two of the rounds went through my humerus mm. and shattered uh, about two inches of bone. So I had nothing there. And uh, so when Renee tried to put my tourniquet on. That's why it hurt so bad. It hurt so much because he put the tourniquet on a broken <sighs> bone. So that was, I was thinking, wow, that's why. And I knew it was something horrible because, you know, it felt worse than, you know, my arm sure. was missing. And uh, so that explained that. And, uh, but I was glad that they told me, you know, they brought in a team of surgeons to try to say, hey, where, where can we save? So when they told me we got a plate from, you know, from here to here, uh, super large plate, you know, top and bottom. So basically they just made my humerus just to keep my arm intact. Now they rebuilt my elbow and, uh, and then I have two inches of bone, which isn't much to go on. But uh, there's the skin wrapped around. Yes, it? that's what happened. So I had a lot of skin that was still kind of flapped over. Uh, I spent 26 days in the hospital. Um, they, uh, they came in. After about the fifth surgery, I believe, they told me, your hand is not really taking. I, I was able to move two fingers, which was impressive for me. I was able to move two fingers. And I'm not talking moving like this. I'm talking just, just barely, though, barely but moving. they were talking. And uh, so the doctor, uh, surgeon, lead guy there, supposedly one of the best in the country, told me, hey, uh, we have a chance to take, uh, rebuild your forearm. So we take some muscle out of both of your thighs and that uh, we can take bones out of your, your uh, calves, not your calves, but your, uh, I guess the bones in your legs below the knee. And I was like, uh, that sounds like a lot of work. And, <laughs> uh, and he gave me like a 50% chance that my hand would even work at that. So I was like, uh, it, it was choice. kind of an easy decision just to f finish amputating my arm really and, uh, and I you know as much as I thought no way I don't want to go on with that I said but look at the other way I would spend six months in the hospital therapy, just with the just therapy on my legs you know because they literally had to cut bones and make bones that I had zero forearm it was like a perfect shot and I had no from my hand to two inches below my uh, my elbow there was nothing that was just popped it was just so you had to make shot. a choice and yes. like you said it was Easy. Yeah, I had, to, I had to make that choice. And, uh, and at that point, it was kind of easy. I thought, you know, I don't want to be, I didn't even want to be in the hospital. And that was six or seven days right there. And I was like, I don't even want to be here no more. And uh, so it was easy to make that choice. So uh, again, we went through another surgery and, and uh, there wasn't much there. So when you say amputation, there was... It wasn't really very, an amputation. No, it was, they it was, just I already of, had an amputation. They cleaned yes. it up and sewed it up. They cleaned it up, it up and, and, you know, got blood flowing to it. So the amputation all, happened yes. on the 20th yes. of August. It did. When he shot and then And then they tried to put me together, which, you know, in yeah. today's medicine, they almost can. And uh, so that happened. And uh, so again, and of course, I ended up with a lot of infection points because it was a shotgun that I was shot with. And who knows, it could have been an old round or whatever, plus when I fell. So I ended up having 12 surgeries, just cleaning up, and wrapping up, cleaning up, wrapping up. And uh, by this time I was just like, I was, I was gone. I was seriously like in a terrible spot. Like it was just too many surgeries, you know, to have to go through all that and back to back. It was like every other day I was receiving the surgery. 
And um, they wanted to keep me in there for six weeks. And I was like, this was like about, about the third week. And I was like, I, I, what can I do? I need to leave. I want to just go home and tell me if I need to come back, I'll come back. I promise I'm coming back. I'm missing an arm. I just don't want to be in here no more. Everything. And I had my own room, super big room. My wife was in there the whole time, which was awesome because, you know, the little things that nurses couldn't do, you know, she picked up and she learned a lot of these little things that, you know, just by watching them. Cool. And uh, so if I needed something, she was always there. The nurses weren't fast enough and they were never fast enough. <laughs> you know, everything from going to the restroom to, you know, trying to eat or whatever, she was there for me. So she was absolutely, you know, you know my I little was, hero, you know. That I was, was telling you off camera that I was like, oh, you're married. And because I said, I don't remember in all the social media uh, news and reports about it, the, you know, in the pictures, it's always you and your yes. brother, or you, you know, you and the sheriff. And I was like, I didn't even know you were married. You're yes. like, yeah, she's quiet. She's very quiet, she's very shy. shy. She doesn't want to be in any spotlight or anything. She's just that, you know, I call, I call her my old school Mexican wife. You know, she's got a lot of old school traditions where, well, she you know, they just amazing. kind of stand back. Those are the best ones. Yeah. <laughs> she sounds amazing. And so every once in a while I sneak her into a photo or whatever. But for the most part, she just wanted to be somewhere and watch. And, uh, but, you know, during the hospital stay, you know, she was there for me the whole time. It was awesome. And, uh, wow, really cool. I mean, you know, I ended up, my very last surgery was a skin graft mm -hmm. because I didn't have a clean cut. Um, so I ended up with a four inch block of skin taken off my thigh. Yeah, that was my very last surgery. So that wasn't cool at all either. So they had to put that on my, on my forearm and I had three spots where they had to, uh, they had to kind of, uh, put skin graft on there. Yeah. So that was my last surgery, which was good. I'm glad that happened and, you know. Other than that, you know, I'm, I'm here, you know, people ask me, you know, hey, you know, about, you know, my recovery and my plans are, and I was like, I just want to recover, get myself better. You know, I'm currently, I'm in pretty intense rehab to try to get my elbow uh, moving up. So you yeah, can, so you I, can actually I need move to it. be like this and in rehab, when I first left the hospital, it was completely straight. Oh, wow. No? Yeah, yes. you can move so, it. Yeah, so now, you know, I've got a good, sure. so I've got a good bend. It needs to be like this to get my prosthetic completely done, but we're moving pretty good, so I'm That's, glad. Let me ask you about your brother. Um, you said y'all didn't grow up real, like, huggy yes. and all that, right? Just tough um, guys. And that's guys, right? <laughs> and it's our culture, whatever, but um, has that changed at all since? Or is it back yes, to... Yes, you know, I call, you know, now we'll get together and uh, he'll tell me something like, hey, don't be doing, like, like watching what I eat. I'm like, dude, just because you saved my life one time. Dude. Yeah, and I tell him like this, you know. Now so you're my mom. Yeah, we're, we're able to kind of bullshit, bullshit like that. And, uh, and it's fun, you know. My mom, you know, my mom was a uh, very religious lady, you know, more religious than, you know, she's from the 80s, we're from the 80s. Yeah. And uh, you remember during that whole PTL deal, you know, all these church, mega churches. And she was very much involved in that stuff. And I remember oh, church really? just lasting hours. She's sending her money in. Yeah, we didn't even have money. Televangelist. She was giving whatever she had oh. to it. And then you find out, you know, the other preachers are just as crooked as everybody oh, else or pastors, whatever they are. And uh, so I was like, I told you, Mom, we didn't even have money. You're giving away that yeah, Now money. they're going to jail because they're robbing <laughs> for people like you. But of course, her heart is the right place. You know? Sure. You know, a lot of times you just put she it in She wanted to be that, blessed. She wanted you mm -hmm. all to be blessed. She did. Yeah. So, yeah, that was the case with that. <laughs> so what's um, everyday like now? Like, what's different? Uh, well, right now, I'm not at work. I'm, I'm on medical leave. Uh, so I go to rehab two or three times a day. Uh, not a day, a week, I'll which is that. good. So that, yeah. break, that breaks yeah. up my, my work day, my, would be, would be my, work, my work day. I still got post-op. Uh, at University Hospital once every four weeks. Okay. Uh, I got pain Make management. Make sure it's healing right. Yeah, because I, what it is is because the nerves were uh were shoved into the muscle so i get there's like right now i i have a standing you know between a one and ten four to five it's just standing pain it just stands there somebody really? said describe it you ever shake hands with somebody and they just squeeze and squeeze mm -hmm. and, and won't let go that's what it feels like yeah. and i you know for me i look down like i don't even have a hand i said why does my hand hurt so much but they call that phantom pain phantom so you, you it hurts your hand absolutely it hurts my hand like a lot of my my two what hurts the most is these two fingers and on it's your like, right hand i can feel that and i can have feel have you heard of that mirror therapy yes they tried that with me and it did not i did i could not get it i was like yeah. you're teaching me 
that my hand is there to teach me that it's not there because it's not there. And, uh, and I could not get that mirror thing. I got aggravated with that thing. I said, I don't want to do this thing no more. I mean, and um, we didn't. So, yeah. so now I've just okay, so myself. <laughs> you ask a question like, what does your life after kind of feel like? I heard somewhere, and I don't remember if it was you that told me or, or someone, that you plan to be a police officer again. You yes. don't plan to write a desk. You no. don't plan to whatever. You plan to serve warrants, whatever right. that means. So how is that possible in, in today's world? If you have a pro, you're good, you're, they're going to give you a prosthetic hand Correct. arm, forearm, and hand, and you're going to be able to pull the gun out. You're going to well now. I'm technically left-handed. Oh, okay. so everything that I learned was good off, good at with my right. I'm left-handed now. So okay. Now I'm, I'll be a left-handed shooter, uh, left-handed cuffer, whatever. Um, I'm getting a um, myoelectric arm. That's a uh, bionic hand. Whoa. So that's what I'm getting. Uh, that's what I'm in. Yes, you'll be able to move. Yeah, you'll be able to. Uh, it'll be a fully functioning robotic so hand. Do you is have to just it. train? Again? Yes. Okay. So it's not just like a plug and play. It's yeah. a you're plug gonna, you're gonna have to... and train. It's like you're gonna go to basic yes. training or whatever again. That's like correct. you're gonna go to officer shooting school and then you'll correct. have to so test. I, I, and I'll never learn to shoot with that hand because it's it's electric. So you never want to trust the trigger. To, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Battery's dead. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, but it, it's, it'll be an excellent support hand, Amen. which, you know, like for loading is, and you can do just about anything with this hand. It's not, you know, people think of bionic, like you can, you know, break uh, glass or whatever. It's not like that. It is strong. You can probably crush an aluminum can, but probably nothing more than that. It'd be better if you could be a professional wrestler. <laughs> right. And you could, they could call you claw. Bionic Man, the claw. Remember Von Erichs? Yes. The, the, exactly. They do the claw. That is exactly We're about right. the same age, and we watched wrestling when we were little. I did too. I did too. My grandma. <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, so hopefully in the next, the, the arm is already in, in, um, in, uh, they're producing it. For yes, in fabrication. Yeah. How long does that take? So well, it's hopefully next week they'll get they'll get what? the, the and what they do is they design you heard it the here forearm. first. <laughs> yeah, the, the hand is already here. Okay. So what they design is the forearm. The forearm would be a uh, like a carbon fiber something with batteries in it, a switch for the battery. Very cool. A, and uh, and it, it's already fit to my to my. Okay, so my that's stomach. ready to roll. Yes. So, so when. Um, when this releases, we deal with time travel here. So this is going to release. That's why we don't tell the date or anything because it could be three weeks from now. So by the time this releases, you may already be I may have it. Mm -hmm. having it. So well, yeah, of course, it'll. it'll I have to go. It's training for training. Yes, yeah. but it'll be kind of cool for our audience to hear this, and then they'll we'll link you and all that to it, and you can make comments. Sure. And, you can, and we can you because you. You're not afraid to be on social media. Some of your friends post stuff about you and stuff like that. So people can find you on social media and they can see how your progress yes. is. I think that'll be cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sounds good. So, okay. How many kids you got? Three. Three kids. They grown? They're grown. Uh, yes. My oldest, uh, Daniel, he actually works. He's a deputy sheriff. You know, he's, he's works at the sheriff's office. And I have twins, uh, Oscar and Olivia. Um, oh. My twin boy works in the jail. He's not in the jail. He works in the jail. Yeah. <laughs> and my daughter's serving in the military. And Man. she's currently stationed at Fort Hood. I guess Hero also is... Also Army like you? Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. Fort Hood. Yeah. I guess Hero is like in your DNA, man. Every. Yeah. So I read a quote, and I'm going to mess it up because I didn't have it pulled up and I don't have my readers on. But I know that your son was quoted as saying that uh, you were the first Luna yes. to, to wear the badge. And that... Uh, now all of the other Lunas that are wearing that badge proudly are doing it because of you. That's you right. started that. Yes. And that you, so your brother one. Renee Luna, Daniel Luna, um, and Adam Luna's my Adam other Luna. brother. He's my other yes. brother. He works. He's also a sheriff's uh, deputy. And so all my all the boys are. And my sister, uh, Krista, she's uh, she works for CID Narcotics Division. You know here at Goodwin. Oh so. my gosh, that's <laughs> so. a crazy. It's just a law enforcement yeah. family. Mm -hmm. uh, all um, the uh, all my legacy. parents' kids. Yeah, yeah legacy yeah. and who? So how many grandkids? I have three grandkids. Wow. And uh, the oldest is nine, and then the other two are one is three and one is one. Oh, cool. Yeah. So yeah. I have five grandkids about the same age, and uh, so we'll have to see. Maybe they know each other. Yeah, they may. It's a small town. We know a lot <laughs> oh, of people. Yeah, I know. Man. We know a lot of people the same. Um, man, that's really great. You have any more questions? I, I don't want to really talk about like the incident the anymore. Story the story is just yeah. amazing. Um, I, I really appreciate you being raw with us. And 
I didn't even ask you, I was gonna ask you, is anything off limits? But I forgot to ask you that. No. And so we just went and uh, I appreciate you. I mean, I got emotional. Uh, there was one point I, I, I was watching your eyes and they got a little glossy and I figured it's the allergies, you know? <laughs> um, but uh, I was like, yeah, my allergies are acting up too. Let's talk about something funny yeah, real quick. That's how guys get. <laughs> You're crying, I'm not crying. Um, but, but so I do want to thank you. I mean, everything everybody's told me about you is true, that you are, you're, you're raw, you're real. You love Iron Maiden. You, you're funny. Uh, you're, I, I, first thing I said when I saw you was, dang, you working out. Like, you're better shaped than I am. I got two arms. And that you have an attitude of overcome. I don't know if that's a word. Like, you, what I've heard is that you just have a spirit about you that's going to move forward. Yes. You know, and, and I see that. I completely you see You take that. it on as a challenge. And it is a challenge. Everything's a challenge now. Everything from tying my shoes. <laughs> How do you tie your yeah, shoes? Like I don't hear victim. No, and I, and I don't. I don't want to be that. I don't want to display that because I don't. You know, I think something horrible happened that day. But I'm alive, and uh, knowing that, you know, I'm gonna get myself Amen. all squared away in the way that I have to be. You know, to keep moving forward. And, what happened uh, to the guy? He's in jail. Of course, he was charged with attempted capital murder. Uh, which is just so much higher than what the what the guy was wanted for. I know, and um, you know, and but I don't uh, think he. I think he might have some. Yes, mental there was illness. other things. Yeah. There's mental oh, yeah. illness going on there, um, and I don't want to glorify him at all. But um, you know, I'm glad. I'm glad he was taken in. I'm glad that yes. that he he has a yeah, chance. Yeah, he's sitting there, and he's he will be there. I think his bond is 1.2 million or something. I so guess. he hasn't even had a trial. No. We uh, it looks like because of this whole COVID deal. Uh, criminal court is pretty much halted, oh, unfortunately. Um, is that a state? Or that's, a no, that some states are already doing them. But is that, no, I mean, yes. I'm sorry. My question is, is that going to be in the district state court? Like, is it the state yeah, of that, Texas be, against that'll him? That'll be here in district court. It's the state now. of Texas against mm -hmm. him or the county to come out against him? Yeah. State? Correct. We know a state judge. <laughs> Our first guest <laughs> was, a, was a state judge, uh, <laughs> uh, Stephanie Bascon. Yeah. And so it'd be interesting to see who gets that trial. We'll keep an eye on that. Yeah, you know, August is what, I, what they're telling me. Yeah. August should be the uh, when the courts kind of open up, and I believe we they're are backlogged. first on docket. Because they're starting to open up. Oh, they're oh, going to yeah. move you to the front yes, of the line? Yeah, we're, we're, we should be first on docket is what I hear. Do they want, of course, they wanted to get this case out of the way, like, almost in November and December. But because everything yeah. happened during that time, they we'll wanted to get it right, it right there. We'll get it right. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's pretty pretty clear Interesting. case. Um, weird question. When you think of him, what do you think? You know, my mom, my mom told me, I don't want you to have hate. I'm like, I don't have hate. I mean, I don't go to bed thinking about this guy. I said, you know, if I saw him on the street, you know, do I want to, you know, body slam him? Sure I do. <laughs> you know, that's just natural. You know, I got shot, you know. But yeah. do I think that, oh, I need to do something terrible to this guy. I need to kill him. No, I don't. I don't, I don't dwell on nothing like that. I don't dream about what I want to do with this guy, it's done. It's over with, you know, he's there, I'm here. Um, I get to be with my family. He doesn't deserve and to rent space no, in your he, head. No. He, he doesn't deserve to no. ruin, he already ruined part he, of your yeah. world. It's enough, I think he about it every time I see my arm. Yeah. But uh, you know, I don't think about him to the point to where I just, I'm down in the dumps, I'm, cause I'm not. Well, and, that could eat you alive too. Yes, and yeah. they will, I'm, I'm, you know, they always say, you know, my therapy to me, is talking. I talk to people. When people want to hear my story, I talk. I'll say, you know, what I what I have to say. Um, I think that's one of the reasons I haven't had a problem with a lot of this PTSD, PTSD and you know. stuff like that. Is because I talk. You know, I'm gonna tell people. I don't hold nothing in. You know, um, you know, it, it feels good for me to tell somebody. And uh, if they want to hear my story, I'm sure that's great, you're man. gonna tell Thank them. Thank you. And that's, uh, I think that's know. really great. I think it's a good thing to hear for people to talk. Yes. Talk to somebody. Not necessarily everybody, if that's not you, but talk to somebody because you bottle it up. It will. No, I don't, I don't plan on bottling up anything, you know. <laughs> I'll tell everybody. And uh, yeah, I think even from day one, you know, when I woke up, you know, they had deputies at my door. And they come in and I tell them what happened. And, you know, I just sit in there watching them, you know, basically tear all of them. And I'm just telling them, I'm already yeah. telling my story, you know, as it happened. And, I think that's you know, so I, I didn't bottle nothing up. And I think that's why I've been okay this whole time. I you know, I'm so able to smile so. and, you know, well, and talk and move forward. A lot of people praying for you this whole time. And I know that helped. Yes. And I know there still are. And uh, I hate that it's going to be brought back up this summer, you know, in the bad way. 
but but I hope that there's some resolution for the community and for people yes. who love you that want there to be resolution. And uh, we'll keep praying for you on the next journey, bionic journey. Oh yeah, you'll see it. You're gonna yeah. be more than a man. <laughs> You're gonna be more than a man. I You're think I'll be, be the first, you know, Texas police officer, you know, with, you know, a bionic arm. That is huge. I can't wait for that to happen. It will happen. It and will. I can't wait for you to be a a licensed peace officer, state of Texas, with a bionic arm. You're going to be in the Book of World's Records. <laughs> I don't know about they're that. They're going to deem you like Robocop or something. <laughs> yeah, they're like they already <laughs> call him that. You know that. Yeah. His buddies are all hitting him up. <laughs> Robocop. Yeah, that, that's correct. That was a cool movie. As I think. Yes. Okay, that'd be kind of cool. Shoot Probably me. one of the reasons I wanted you to be just... a cop, you know, to be Robocop. And here I am. You know, no 35 way. years That inspired later. you? <laughs> uh, you gotta watch, you gotta watch you it. You people. Yeah. So, yeah. Even so you're inspired to be a cop by RoboCop. <laughs> and then your partner, your young partner, Nick Nolte's parents like named him after, Nick, yeah. after <laughs> Eddie Murphy <laughs> and, and uh, 48 Hours. Yeah, they, they say no, but I was like, he was born Come right on. at the same year. <laughs> That's right. It's yep. not a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, we, we, we could sit here all day, yeah. and I love it. But um, we kind of want to wrap it up. And one of the things we do when we wrap it up is we ask you if you would good gossip about somebody else, brag about somebody that you care about that's made a difference in your life. And I know there's more than one, but who who do you feel on your heart to share with us? Yeah, well, I'm young, that field is just open to so many people that I could think of. You know, could be my wife, my brother, you know, Nick, you know, all these guys that were there with me, you know, in that field, in that position. And, uh, you know, but, you know, I also have to give, you know, props to my sheriff, you know, Mark Reynolds. Um, I've been working with him for 30 years. I've been, he's got one year on me. And now, you know, we have both kind of started off at the bottom. That's amazing. And now he's the top guy. He's the sheriff. That's amazing. And so we've known each other for years. Uh, he, the, the sheriff's office to him has been totally supportive of everything. You know, all the time that I need, everything that I need, whatever I need, you know, they're there for me. And, uh, you know, I know sometimes, you know, when you get injured on the job, you know, some, a lot of people don't have good experiences. Yeah. Things just don't happen. Talk to right. your insurance yes. company. And uh, for me, everything has been incredible. That's great. Um, you know, very That's supportive. good to know. That's you know, my, good to my know. wife loves him, you know, so he's just a, he's a guy a that... part of the uh, family. You know, and he really is, you know, he goes down to where not only because he's the head guy, you know, we've been working brothers for, you know, 30 years. So just incredible and uh, just an incredible man, you know, that uh, that uh, he had to be the one in, in the position to hear what had happened that day. And he knew exactly, you know, who I was and who that badge number was. So it was probably tough for him that day as well, because, you know, we've known each other for so long. And because of the kind of guy he is, he That's made a correct. choice He's to just, stand you know, behind a great you. outgoing guy, you know, probably the friendliest person you'll ever meet. You know, and to think that, you know, he's been a police officer for 31 years and now he's the top guy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just a guy that deserves everything that, well, you know, everything good that can come his way, you know, it, it does. And he deserves it. Well, I, okay. I appreciate him as well. Good. Thank you for that. Mark Reynolds, yeah, yeah. Sheriff Mark Reynolds. That's an elected position. So it is. apparently a lot of people. He just got reelected. Yeah, think... election. Yeah. yeah. I don't even think he had anybody run against him. It no. was just, you know, sometimes when you're that popular and that positive and, you know, and that, good for the community things just you should be there yeah you, you don't want to waste your time and money i guess and, yeah. well you know, we appreciate i i know everybody in this room appreciates you and and law enforcement in general we know that um there's bad apples in every field in it but that but 99.999 percent of you guys are there because that's of your correct heart. that and is absolutely love, correct you love your community and you want to keep me safe and i appreciate that thank and you when you that. go into this knowing yes that something bad could happen to you for us. Yeah. So my, that's my, such a crazy mindset to have. Even when you were in the military, like there's a part of you that knows you could die for us. Right. And you almost did. And I'm I did. you didn't. And, but I didn't, and I'm here, <laughs> yep. so I'm good. You're a hero. <laughs> Keep it alive, Lord. <laughs> thank you, Lord. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. This was awesome. Great way to spend our, our morning. In, uh, well, thank you. I appreciate the, the invite. This, this is, like yeah. I said, when I speak about this, it's therapy for me as good. well. well. So this you're, is good. You're welcome. We're, we're, we appreciate the opportunity to help you. And we Thank you. we'll be there for you anytime we, you need us. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So you can find us on YouTube. We just started posting our shows to Facebook as well. And, uh, and definitely iTunes and any of your favorite podcast apps. Remember to subscribe, rate us. Share um, it. Our seven countries that are listening to us right now, thank you. Um, and share it. Share the story. If this was an inspirational story to you, which it was to us, 
yeah. share it with other people. This is a way that we get to um, share our friends and stories in a wider format than we have the opportunity to do normally with just coffee with somebody. So mm-hmm. um, thanks for watching. And if you know somebody who you'd like to have on the show, please comment or send us a private message. See you later. Thanks. Thank you.